0: As soon as you walked into the house and you started walking that way, you're like, am I walking on snow or am I missing a shoe? Like, what does this go? Because you yeah. saw the corner of the one wall. It just jacked right up. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. That thing must have made a racket as it was like, like crackling, yeah. like the pops like, and cracks of that place. is moving.' I would have loved to hear it, but yeah. at the same time, I, it sucked. <laughs>
1: but <laughs> Speaking of the pops and cracking, if you guys are wondering... We are the shop. Everyone's building tool belts over there. So, <laughs> as part of me, I'm like, should I just go tell them to like, to like,
0: but, yeah, so gonna like, I'm, gonna tell him. I'm gonna tell them right now. <laughs> 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 I actually heard it a couple, couple times there. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I think it's your tool belt they're working on. Don't don't, don't tell them to slow down. (laughs) I think I actually scared them. They've never heard me actually like, I'm not that good.
2: Welcome to another episode of Efficient by Design podcast. Uh, Today, very special guest. Uh, We have Joe Canning, aka Canadian Carpenter on Instagram and uh, lots of platforms. And my brother, Brad, again, is uh, co-hosting with me. Um, So we're gonna talk through uh, career stuff and work and tools and tool belts, a variety of things. Um, But just by way of introduction, um, I mean, in the world of Instagram, you're kind of one of the OG (laughs) Carpenter (laughs) influencer guys and tool reviewers. Um, So you've been around in it for a long time, one of the early ones. Um, and you had quite a following early on too. And that, you know, you're one of very few people I've ever become aware of that did like full blown big custom homes completely by yourself, Yeah, which is like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. That's super bizarre. <laughs> um, so what has that, that kind of journey been like for you in regards to like, you know, getting onto Instagram in the first place, why you did. And then the few other guys that you kind of were uh, in there with reviewing tools and and posting stuff what is where did that start
0: well it it actually started because well the, the tool starts starts after the fact i actually got on the instagram at first simply because for the last 20 years you can see that the trades were dying and especially in framers you can see like bigger crews 10 12 guy crews start diminishing down to lower volumes and and as i was watching it happen and i'm like is it like is this the world that we live in that that the trades are like a virus that nobody's mm. allowed to go near and then i kept looking and watching over the years and i'm like it is happening like we are literally falling apart as a trade the dying breed yeah yeah so that's why that's why i started that what i was thinking is like when i'm i'm looking around and i'm like all right well how do how do i help with this situation you know like sure i could be you know, walking around in public and kids that you run into and you're like, Hey, what are you, what are you thinking about in your, your day to day? Like, what do you, what, what, what do you want to do as a career? But you wouldn't get very far with that. So I, I thought about social media and I, I went on to just have a look around and everything. And I'm like, this is an amazing platform to actually like reach out mm. because at the time Instagram was still really new. And I was like, this is a kid's platform, not like 12 year old kids. Like 16 17 year old kids just goofing around posting pictures but they're they're very engaged in what whatever they're finding on there so i'm like interesting so if we start talking about the trades and how cool of a job you can actually have and a fulfilling life you can have they're going to see it difference yeah what what better way to attack this situation than attack it on a platform from up-and-coming kids that Mm -hmm. might you know, and it, they might be getting pushed into the like the medical field, the computer field, or whatever. And, but just to be like, hey, this is also cool, mm-hmm. right? So that's that's when I started the Canadian Carpenter page, and I, actually, it sat there for quite a while while I developed like how do I want to go about this because it's all easy sounding until you're like, okay, I actually have to post stuff on here. Like, what do I post? Yeah. Because with our job, it's so. Every day is a different day. Everything's so different every day. Um, sure, you do floor, walls, roof, you know, that is a given. But every yeah. house is, has different challenges to it. So it's like, all right, well, what do you post? Like, so I, I just went about it in a very easy manner. I just started posting pictures of what I, like, what we were doing that day. Just as, as intriguing and captivating captions as I could possibly come up with, mm. you know not no bullcrap and just this is what we're doing out throughout the day. And it started getting traction and I'm like, Oh, interesting. There are people out there that actually want to see this. Mm -hmm. So then I just kept going about it and going about it. And apparently I'm pretty good at getting angles with photos. So that was also another thing. And I I learned that the, the angle of whatever you're talking about helps as well. It's not just like a flat image. There's a house and you're trying to talk them through an area that's not specific so they actually can't tell what you're actually looking at because you have to think about it. You're actually trying to reach people that actually don't know what you're talking about. Right. right. So you have to do it in a simplistic way where the photo has to match the caption. Like it has to be very clear what you're talking about. So I started doing that and it started really grabbing traction and I was like, Oh, this is really interesting. And I started growing pretty, pretty quick. And I, I remember like once I passed the first hundred people, I'm like, Oh, I got a hundred people. Yeah. A hundred people want to actually hear what I have to say. This is interesting. And I just kept going at it. And then for a while I was just like, this is actually going to work. Like this is, this is the way to reach people nowadays, you know? And and it was, it was an eye opener for me because, um, I'm, at the time I was definitely an older person to be jumping on that platform. And, and after a while I, I was really grabbing a whole lot of traction and I think I got up to about 4,000 followers and everything like that. And I still had never shown a tool.
2: <laughs>
0: and then one day I got really, really stupid excited over a little Makita saw that was getting released. And I ran out to Toronto and bought it, drove all the way back to site that day. And I cut a bunch of, I almost cut a whole roof with it, like a little 18 volt Makita saw. And I posted the picture with a framing square, just that saw on on a stack of plywood or stack of my rafters. And I was like, this is amazing, hmm. and then after I did that, it was like that post forever will be like whatever set off Canadian Carpenter getting a following. Hmm. It no was kidding, insane. Just one post. Yeah. I had no idea. I just thought it was cool. It was just when I was sitting back looking at him, and I was blown away looking at that saw going. I just cut a roof with that little thingy thing. Yeah, I never in a million years thought that that was going to be something that was going to grab. And then there was a several other guys that kind of were up and comers
2: along with you, um, that were very influential, and you guys started to build a bit of a a community. And then it became like, hey, how do we actually intentionally educate people and show tools and be you'll contribute to the society and the younger up and coming generation? It's interesting, um, the the negativity towards like trades that I think our generation felt as kids. Yeah, you know, like my my cousins. Um, they were all like, you know, went to university and they're dentists and they're all like mm-hmm. very well off and, and doing great. And our family were kind of like country bumpkins, mm-hmm. you know, playing in the mountains and yeah. building stuff and and not very educated. And yeah, and uh, we were supported in like to go to university
1: and to do that stuff. But at the same time, equally, if you want to build houses and you want to get into music and doing that stuff, it was it was very, it was held yep. really
2: really well. Yeah, it was valued by our our folks in that regard cuz I mean my again my dad amongst his family, you know, his his brothers and sisters are all very very well to do, very educated mm-hmm. and you know my dad ended up traveling in a band and then ended up managing keg restaurants and like mm-hmm. did did completely took a completely different path. Yeah. Um so there was this kind of stigma towards, you know, becoming just a tradesperson.
0: Well, it, it, even with myself, um I was pushed away from it. And I never in a million years would have ever thought I would do it, because I had a previous career I had gone to college I went to art school and i uh, I put myself through art school and i I came out with a degree in animation multimedia arts furthest thing from swinging a hammer possible mm-hmm. right pencil maybe was wood, but you know what I mean like furthest possible avenue, but I was pushed into that because it was it was something that one people thought I would love to do, which I did, I did enjoy it, but I, I, I enjoyed it less after school. When I realized that I'm not the only person that wants to do this mm. and this market is really, really flooded. And I've actually picked a career that my whole entire life is going to be a struggle. Um, and that, and that's the thing when you're in a flooded market like that, you're expendable. Like yeah, you don't know how long your, your placement is going to be with it, whatever job you have. Yeah. Right, so then I was just like, "Oh, this is this is no good," and I really didn't like it for a while. And then being and stuck in cubicles and things of that nature, you know, I was just like, "This is this sucks." Yeah, you know.
1: And well, kind of like like Luke said, I think if if I was to think back to when did Instagram kind of start? What like when was this? How long? Two
0: thousand and ten, I think it came out.
1: Yeah, and so again, like you said, if it's if it's a kid's thing, you know, people that are coming into the workforce. And like you said, it was kind of almost this kind of looked down upon thing. And all of a sudden they're seeing somebody that's actually giving them a completely different view of you could actually do this. And like you said, and enjoy it. And it's this great life skill and you can actually make good money and you can, and you look at that, just like the, the, the birth of that into now where it's gone on to, you know, you've got TV shows, HGTV and all these like famous superstars that are. Yeah. Traveling the world, building beautiful things, and and turning it into this like art mm-hmm. form, um, you know, like it's really fascinating to me to think that, you know, you and your you know the OG crew, like almost sparked that into existence, you know, to a certain degree.
0: Yeah, and and it, and know what the funny part is is like even back then, like when we first started it, and how we we were touching based on like, uh, things things you can talk about and online and everything and things you can show online how different it, and and. I think what actually helped it along the most is because it was so new and we didn't really understand exactly what, how, like the, what the, our, what's are your limits on social media? right? Like, where do you stop? Like, where do you stop talking about yourself? Like, how far do you want to go? Like, how far do you want to put yourself out there publicly? Yeah. Right. So like when we first started everything like that and, and, and like, I never wanted to talk about money. Like, which was always a hard thing. Like, how are you going to inspire people to come in when you're not giving giving them any monetary value Mm -hmm. for the rest of their life? Like, what am I looking at? Yeah. Right. So I'm like, how do you do that without basically exposing everything you make? Because it's nobody's business. Because that's how we were always raised. Sure. Right. Politics and money were things that were never spoke about. You just shut up, believed in what you were doing. You made what you made, you know. But nowadays, when you think about it, and there's jokes nowadays that make it pretty funny, like if I won the lottery, I wouldn't tell anybody, but there would be hints, right? Like you see those memes, right? And I'm like, that's the perfect way of going about it, right? Don't ever say how much you make. Just say I make enough, and people will see if you're making enough, Hmm. you know? They can see if you're going through the struggles or whatever like that. So doing that, with and, and like when we first started the tool stuff, it was four of us, and we were spending our own money on tools to review them so there wasn't a budget like there is nowadays where brands are just sending tools to you because we were pioneering it we didn't know how to go about it so we were spending like 20 30 grand ourselves out of our own pockets to buy tools that we were just posting and like okay now we're we're done posting what do we do with it you know like nobody's gonna buy it back for exactly what we paid for it right um a couple guys had a couple schemes going where where they were able to take them back you know but i am very rural and whatnot where i live and and i didn't have that opportunity so i was spending money and like like it was going up to, to the toilet. Like I was essentially just throwing it away. So the companies, they, they hadn't caught on yet to be like, oh, there's
1: this huge online no. thing that we could take advantage of. So was, was it who, who made the first move? Was it you guys? Did they be like, Hey guys, we, or was it them that reached out to you? Yes.
0: No, we, we definitely made the first move after three of us got together one year and we're like, we're so close to divorce right now. After like adding up <laughs> what we spent for the year, like we should probably figure this out in a different manner. So yeah, we started reaching out to a bunch of brands, and at the time, they, they didn't believe in social media either. Um, back then, it was still all web-based stuff where people people uh, really accredited websites would get the tools for review, and, mm. and it was a very small budget because I, I know quite a few of the, the larger websites, and I, I've gone over the, like, the history of everything with them, and I'm like, man, you guys were really getting screwed. You know, like you were getting this and mm. you were getting paid a little bit the, to do like full on articles that you're actually like taking, say, three nights to write a full in-depth article, making, you know, making sure you articulated everything correctly. Everything was spelled correctly and it was in the right, you know, and I'm like, this is definitely the wrong way to go about it. Mm. Right. And then with social media it and Instagram and in, in general, it was instant Instagram. Right. Like immediately and you and you were and you were never thought of that right
1: instant instagram yeah look at that (laughs) and and,
0: and the reach of it and everything that you needed to know about the product was right there so once we reached out to these people and and we all kind of came up with our own little spiels to sell ourselves to these brands and why they should be helping us and i'm like we don't have metrics like websites like that it's our metrics are different and a lot of them are public where websites you actually have to ask them you know they have to go to their website guy and gets it all printed out how many clicks you came where'd they come from the whole nine yards and for us it was like all right well it's pretty simple like this is the simplicity in it we do a picture we post it you instantly see how many people are liking that how far it's going like you can click on it and you can as the brand can click on it and see the reach that it has, mm. you can get the real world users in the comments talking about them. Like, what more do you need? Yeah. Like, you guys run around and pay for radio ads for your tools or or put them in fine home mil- building magazine or something like that where you never actually know if someone's flipping a channel, flipping right past your page, looking at your, av- you'd they never see your advertisement, yeah. but you're still throwing that money out there. So at first we were like, okay, how about you stop doing that or do it less? Put a budget yep. towards tools to help us. So, and we'll do, because for us at first, it was like really cool because we're like, oh, we're getting tools. Yep. Right. So that was kind of our mm. form of payment and we could take it into a different direction if we wanted. You know, like if, if we were dumb with the tool, we got it for free, ask them if they want it back or we sell it. And that was our payment. Yeah. But then after a while, after we realized like we were actually ripping ourselves off, that's when being a paid influencer or, or, or paid partnership with a brand was very helpful.
2: Well, it becomes like mutually beneficial because they're getting exposure that's real world exposure. Oh, yeah. You're actually being compensated yep. for the exposure that you're giving because you have an audience that wants to see it. And mm-hmm. the, the big thing is the audience watching are people who are seeing, okay, here's, here's someone actually on the tools. It's actually, building building that structure, I can see in the footage using that tool to do it, and giving their firsthand interaction of the product. Like, there's no better way to expose expose an item yeah. than seeing it in use by actual people, right? So that that gives you such credibility. So then it's the persona of, okay, what what people am I going to actually respect and listen to? Is this a legitimate tradesperson? What kind of persona do you bring? So I mean. Being the Canadian carpenter, mm-hmm. you know, like Canadians have a good reputation as typically kind of hardworking, hardworking people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the way that you carry yourself and the beard that you have, you know, That's there's definitely a thing. It's a signature <laughs> thing. So we have got, to, I feel like we do need to just like, let's just pause and talk a beard for a minute to satisfy the viewers <laughs> and listeners. So if you're listening and for some bizarre reason, you don't know who Joe Canning or Canadian carpenter is, he is a Canadian framer. And he has a beard that currently I was, I got to say, I was a little disappointed <laughs> when I picked it up from the airport because it's it's only about 14 inches long right yeah. now. And it, it has been what, six inches longer at times. Yeah. I literally just chopped it
0: off a couple of weeks ago. It took about four inches off.
2: So it's interesting because through social media, you know, you do lives and all kinds of Q and A stuff and the amount of interaction you get in questions about your beard. Yeah. I'm like, holy cow, that has got to get so old but you keep fielding the same questions yeah. and you just roll with it like it's because for me i'm like i think i'd shave it off to be done with all the of questions, that but yeah. it's it's a part of who you are and it's it's a it, it's definitely canadian carpenter and feel like oh the, yeah that's the framer with the beard yeah. so then the questions that come up you're like yo, know, how how often do you get caught in tools how often mm-hmm. do you sip and eat your jacket does it get full of sawdust mm-hmm. how do you eat ribs yeah. like all of those <laughs> all of those things so like what are to so just pause this for a second what are the say the, the two most common questions that you get and what are like two brief stories of where like you did snag it in something. It was totally in your way. Like two memorable things that have taken place the, with
0: it. The two most common questions with it, are, or first one is the biggest one. Have you ever got a caught in a tool? And the, the second one would be, does it ever get in the way while you're working? Mm-hmm. So the first one, yes, it can, it, it, you have to be extremely aware of what's hanging off your face. Um, I didn't once and I, and I, I paid the price. Um, one day I just got really complacent with it and I was cutting a timber porch and I, I got down real, real close to make sure I was eyeing up this cut. Like I was going to plunge in at 90. And as soon as I pulled the trigger on the saw on the worm drive, it just literally pulled my beard into the armature and it wound <laughs> up, my beard wound up around the blade and I had a 15 pound skill worm drive hanging from your face right to the chin <laughs> like God. it punched me so hard in the face and like i had to sit there and try to figure out how to get it off yeah. right <laughs> that's hilarious. because because it wasn't like the, the the cordless tools we have nowadays that all have these really fancy brakes in it like they yeah. stop like that you're good no this is one that's going to wind out so it made it tighter right yeah. so here i am and i have this big monster hanging off my face and i'm like i'm pretty sure i just ate my teeth and might might have <laughs> broke my nose couldn't figure it out for the life of me but the most important part at that moment was like how do i get it off yeah you know and i needed help and uh, i'm sitting there like i i walked over to the back of my truck and that was an odd thing to see too i'm sure it's like i bent over i'm like holding it up with one hand stepping on the cord pulling an unplugging it walk over to the back of my truck and i'm like what now like well, where guys, do i like, go yeah, you, from this right you,
2: you get like crumbs and stuff stuck in your beard and mustache you get saws stuck in yeah. your beard like that's like, that's real man problems. i was hoping you were going to say yeah. that like
1: it all like you know went up there and your beard was just so manly that the the blade just shattered in pieces
0: yeah. just, i, w- I, I wish it would have been a lot easier right but no that's it, like i i just sat there and i'm like how do i get this off yeah like i was trying to pan, like i was very panicked i was like i don't want anybody to see this yeah you know because well this is because, before instagram uh just Just before it. Oh, that's too bad.
1: That would have been good
2: footage.
0: And actually, there is footage from back then because I did shave it off once. Hmm. Um, That
2: wasn't why to get the saw disconnected from your face.
0: No, I didn't. And and the best part about it is it didn't rip any out.
2: Really? Yeah. See, that's what I'm talking about. Like
0: I didn't have any like patches or anything. That's crazy. Like I I had a little bit of hair stuck in there, but I had to sit there and like physically like wind the the blade blade backwards. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like. I'm like face down on my tailgate, holding holding the guard open, wheeling the blade, back, and I'm like, this is so terrible. <laughs>
2: That's awesome.
0: Right? And I, at this point, I still don't know what the damage is like, yeah, and yeah. I'm still just like, oh this is terrible. And uh, yeah, it, and it ended up being the best of all situations. Not, yeah. No harm, no foul. Gave myself a bloody lip, bloody nose. And uh, I was like, all right, well, lessons were definitely learned that day. Yeah. you know. And at that point, my beard was long. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was probably in the 19, 20 inch range. Jeez. So, you know, like the slightest breeze would flip, like flip it up. So yeah. it wasn't really shocking that the saw actually pulled it in. It was a hazard because I mean, you see you know, the other videos that you see sometimes of people working on a
2: big lathe and their shirt gets caught and pulled in yeah. and they got like a necklace mm. on. Or, yeah. like, wait, right, our cousin, I remember she was on a zip line Oh. And her, her hair went up into the wheel. Yeah. And she chunked, tore a chunk of her scalp out like yeah, gnarly. That, that so like, can happen. You know, getting, getting sucked into tools is yeah. a, a real thing. So Man. having a saw yeah. pulled up into your face, you know, is a great one. Then it gets in the
0: way at yeah. times. Sometimes it does. Um, yeah, what do you tuck it into your shirt or something I do. like that? You do, that, do. actually. Yeah. Um, Interesting. So ever since that day, if I ever get in a situation like that when I'm doing the timber porches or any, anything remotely close where I'm going, I know I'm going to have to like, Mm -hmm. get down and inspect if i'm doing something right or the the main one for me is walking the walls when we're craning Hmm. if it's a little bit breezy and i get an updraft it just it just floats right where's the wall yeah yeah so (laughs) in in that aspect i i have tucked it in my shirt many and many times um it it's i'm accustomed to it now yeah yeah. that I actually realize it's going to happen before I I just tuck it in it's
1: so you said because again um we went out for dinner last night and uh and you'd mentioned that when you go to sleep you have to do something with it like, these are things I've never had I've had a beard before but nothing like with that length yeah and so I'm like oh yeah I guess you're like so so what do you 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 what do you braid it at night time or yeah? yeah you actually do that yeah. was a total joke I'm like there's no, no. way you braid it <laughs> yep. you braid it <laughs> yep <laughs> that's awesome and so what do you braid it straight down or do you like wrap it around your neck or what's no, the thing no, straight down
0: yeah at first i was just doing do like hair tie things okay but they kept falling off and i was like yeah. this is stupid like why am i going through the effort yeah so because you, you don't ride want a it. motorbike i had one yeah yeah and then yeah.
1: what is ha- it does it stay down or does it does no you, you t-
0: got you got to do something with it braid that thing yeah. or something yeah, yeah part for, of the middle, Back because you face. have a few
1: different, like again, when well, you have a, a good best friend who's, a, who's a, a barber and so he does a lot of beard work and stuff like that. I'm curious what type of beard guy you are. Are you like into the the, the bombs and the salves and the different ointments and the whatever and this nice, I, smelling I am, beehive thing? I,
0: I am to an extent. Um, the thing of it is, is that stuff's not really for your beard, okay? Uh, that's for your skin under your beard, oh. so your skin doesn't dry out, you don't get itchy, you don't get sores because. When you have a monster hanging off your face it's sucking all the moisture out of your face so yep. your your skin underneath it, it can get really bad hmm. you know like i've I've had instances where i've gone on trips and i got my beard oil taken by tsa or whatever like, and i'm like okay i'm screwed <laughs> and then when i get there i'm like okay i'll just try to like do whatever like use like your hair shampoo and conditioner which also dries out your face because it's not meant for your face and then like i'll i'll be like there for a week and going my face is dying <laughs> you know like i'm just like it's like a, a painful itch that you just and then you can feel it like getting drier and drier and you're like what, what do you do <laughs> and I'll, I'll go on like missions like recently it's been e- a lot easier than before but like now i'm I'm, I'm well known enough now that like i will reach out to beard companies in different places yeah and just be like okay, i need help yes yeah. right <laughs> That's hilarious. And, yeah and they'll like <laughs> they'll crazy. send it to the hotel room or wherever the case may yeah. be and and it's worked out really well but like none of that stuff is actually for your beard okay right and you
1: said you chopped it off like four inches off so when you say that does you actually mean i went to sergio and he like delicately trimmed it perfectly or are you like no i do it myself or you're like no i don't touch my beard i have a guy
0: i have a guy you have a guy yes yeah Beard. trust me man when you put in this much effort to keep something <laughs> on your face and and not look homeless it's a thing True. You, you need a guy <laughs> right um yeah. for a while there i was doing it myself and i was like eh, you know it, it is what it is you know as long as it doesn't look terrible i'm kind of okay with it and then I had gone to a barber for the first time and because I panicked. I was like, all right, I, I need help. Like I let it go too far past where I can manage it. And then I I met a barber that that specialized in beards. And I'm like, oh, this should be interesting, right? So I, I went to him and I I was so nervous. And he's like, there's a lot of dead. We got to cut a lot off. And I'm like, Oh God, like what do you do? Like <laughs> You know, like, are you kidding me? Like, you know how long that took? To, and I'm like, all right, well, you got to, at one point, you got to put enough faith in somebody to do it. And then when, once they did it, I was like, man, I am never cutting my beard ever again. Hmm. Like, they knew exactly what to do and everything like that. And it, it, it was phenomenal. And 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 it was an experience and catering to yourself as well, right? Because you're getting a full experience. You're going in there, you're getting your beard done up. You know, you're getting it nice and cleaned up for so you look civilized again, and then getting like straight razor lined up on your cheeks and underneath and back of your neck and getting all straight, like, like getting done proper from mm. a barber. Right. And I was like, this was enjoyable. Yeah. Like I could do this. Yeah. You know, because I had never thought about it like that before. Right. Like it, the beard was basically, it just started because I always wanted one. It's kind of a family thing. And I was like, I love myself and I'm okay with myself to run around with this, no matter what anybody says. Mm. Right. And I was just like, and nowadays I'm just like, I can never get rid of this thing. If you were to shave it off, how long would it take you to grow it back to, the, to that? Not very long. What does that mean? Well, Ish. it took me a year and a half to grow it 16 inches.
1: Oh, wow. Wow. That's fast. fast. Yeah. Okay.
0: And yeah, like I used to have to shave daily. Like, I'm, I'm the guys, five right? o'clock shadow guy. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, it's it's an intense thing, and it it's it it's my brand now. So yeah. either way, I look at it. <laughs> I couldn't get rid of it if yeah. I wanted to. Yeah. But we make jokes about it all the time. Like I get the turtle turtle chin memes sent to me from my buddy constantly. Mm. I'm like that's you, right? Like right, because I haven't seen my chin in like 30 years. <laughs> yeah, I have no clue what it looks like. Yeah, I've a couple adult. Of them? Yeah. <laughs> okay let's uh okay let's we're done with the beard yep. all right we can check good, that off good, we, we did we that did, yeah. okay people so <laughs> that was delightful was <laughs> great so good
2: um you're talking about your earlier career in education and doing artwork and stuff what were some of the like when you were kind of pursuing that career mm-hmm. what how far did that go what did you get involved in with uh, artwork
0: eventually well i did a i did quite a bit um i did a bunch of testing for disney <laughs> um I was actually supposed to work on Pocahontas, but I didn't want to move. Hmm. So that was a thing. I did a bunch of testing for that and and it did great with it. And I, it just came down to, uh, it's just not a feasible thing to move. Um, so then I did, uh, I worked on Beavis and Butthead to America and, the, <laughs> and a couple of the Beavis and Butthead episodes. There's that, something about the character of those two that, that I'm like interesting. You, you would associate <laughs> yeah. with a little bit. Maybe at times. <laughs> yeah, it definitely was an interesting thing. I'm like, wow, this is actually relatable to something, you know. Yeah, I, I, so I feel awesome, kind of man. at home doing this. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it, so I, I I did a little work in New York City. And uh, yeah. Is Beavis and Butthead still around? Like, when we were kids, it, I remember that, but... I don't know. That's, every once in a while, they just start replaying them. Okay. Yeah, there'll be something yeah.
1: there, you know, and somebody's got a little impression, they can do the laugh and all the little things. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Did you um did you get to, like, meet the voice actors and, or yeah. any of that kind of stuff? Yeah. So what... Were they strictly voice actors? Because I know there's another show where it's the the creators are the actual guy that do the voices. But yes. I don't. Was it Beavis and ButtHead?
0: Yeah, it was. Okay. Yeah. So at first they 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 did the voices, but there was a shift that you can actually hear the differences. Uh, okay. Over time, where they got too busy, with yeah. their their lives and their careers to be able to do it. So yeah. it did it did shift, and for a while there, while I was at MTV and and listening to. uh Listening to everybody who wanted to try out to yeah. do it, yeah. So you're in your cubicle and you're, you know, you're, you're at your desk and everything, doing animation and everything, and you could just hear it in the background of people doing the voices. And I'm like, so obnoxious. I don't want to hear TP from my bunghole one more time today, right? Like, totally. you know, uh, and, yeah. It's it's just insane. Uh, and I haven't heard that phrase. Yeah. So either. so we used to, yeah. And then like we, I was upstairs and it was a really enjoyable time. Uh, that was one of the, the moments and and projects that I was on that I actually enjoyed myself doing what mm-hmm. I was doing just because of the people that they that whole project did nobody was really taking it serious mm-hmm. but we were serious about getting it done yeah. but like there was different avenues like MTV was right above uh, Nickelodeon and we would yeah. you know draw Beavis and Butthead beating on the rug rats and going pasted on the doors and <laughs> yeah. things like that. And, and that part was fun. And it, and it wasn't until after that whole project was over and then I, I had to go find a different career because like I said, you're expendable. You're only there for a certain amount of time. It's, big, it's basically contracting for art, right? Yeah. Unless you can plant yourself in a, in a career place like Disney or something like that. Right. So I, I went on a different, uh, different path and I started doing some 3D stuff and I, I ended up working for NFL Films doing all your sports stuff where where your players and their stats would pop up at the bottom of the screen on hmm. TV and then once I was doing that <clears throat> is when it really started to hit and I'm like this is not enjoyable hmm. you know so what happened was I I, I did all that and I, I did my my project and, and fulfilled my contract and everything like that and then I was trying to get back into the traditional animation and I couldn't because it was at that, that brink where it was switching from traditional to computer. So even if I was to try to get uh, uh, somebody like, a, like a, a small, not really paying well job as like an in-betweener, mm-hmm. like you never wanted to be the in-betweener. That right. was the sucky phrase. Like, like you wanted to be the guy to, that drew the keynotes and not the person filling it in because you lose your mind. Yep. So I, I was trying to figure out how, like how can I get back in here? How can I do this? It's going to suck, but I still, is like still on my career path. And then I couldn't find a job for anything. Hmm. So what happened was I just sat around, did nothing for a little while and just kept resume, 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 and like sending out, uh, burned CDs of, of your, of your resume and your past work and things of that nature. And I'm like, this is not going to happen. Hmm. And I'm like, I have a wife and kids and I'm like, we need to eat those yeah. need to get paid kids need clothes. You know, I was like, I need to do something here. And, and I've always, I've always been that, that person that as that has the mentality is of, as a man, I need to do this, mm. right. I need to step up and do something. And we had a friend of the family and it was just like, can you swing a hammer? And I was like, it doesn't matter, mm-hmm. but let's go find out. Sure. Right. Like I'll do whatever. And for a while I did, I, I just moved lumber i didn't actually get to build anything i didn't get on a tool i just moved lumber like a lot and it sucked Yep. right because once you get that part down it doesn't take a rocket science test to figure out okay we're building walls you need studs you need header material or we're doing the floor you need joists brought to you and and figure out what what way we're going to do that and, and and the process is okay we're we're starting this. You need two by four for plates for your concrete. You know, if you need house wrap, sill gasket, nuts and washers, the whole nine yards, and run that down. So it was very easy, and I caught on to everything very well. And I was like, "This sucks. This is this is framing. Mm. Like I'm just this is what I'm going to do. I'm yeah. just going to move lumber from there to there. Okay, you know." And you're what in your late twenties, thirties? Twenty three. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, and uh
2: so I, what is that uh, like if we kind of if you gave a snapshot like a quick history of of your trades career. Mm-hmm. So you started as a laborer. Yep. And then I assume you then you got into doing some basic framing and yep. beam nailer and then you did some production stuff too. So what was the
0: what's the a quick like history of your career building? Uh, quick history is I I started framing with a a really bad crew so that was good. I I got to learn the don't get involved with crew right, right quick. It was my first job because that, like it, it was this stereotypical crew why we have a bad name. Mm-hmm. Constant drinking, not That's showing crazy. up, not meeting deadlines, sloppy work. Um, and I, I stayed there for two years, and then I started with a production framing crew um, who the other guy was actually subbing off of. And he approached me because I was there every day. I needed this job. This job was very important to me. So I started with them because I showed up every day and he finally one day came over and was like, why don't you just come over and work with us? You're here every day waiting for people that aren't going to show up. And I'm like, true. So I did. I just was like, friend friend, or family or not, like I got to go.
2: Define for a second your definition of a production framing crew. That's a term that gets thrown around a lot. Well,
0: we were the production framing crew for the area. <laughs> well, there was eighteen guys, two forklifts, and I'm talking about eight pack of townhouses done, windows in, stairs in, five days. Okay, like we were fast. Any prefab stuff or all no nope, stick all framed? S- all stick s- framed.
1: Yep. Well, what's the what's the first uh, hammer you were swinging that you can remember? Best wing. The blue handled metal one.
0: It's funny that that I, I went through it. Yeah, <laughs> the blue handled one. Yeah, yeah. but. <laughs> I, I didn't understand what a framing hammer was. Right. Like the first guy I was working for, I just had a hammer. It didn't matter what because I never got to swing the thing. Sure. Well, once I started to frame with the production frame crew, it was actually the first day. Uh, he looked at me and he was like, What is that? And I was like, It's a hammer. And he's like, No, it's not. And then he, he pulled out his hammer, he showed me, he's like, You got to go buy this one. Okay. 22 ounce S wing framing staple, you know, like. This is the run in the mill. I looked around. Everybody was where, you know, had them on their tool belts. And I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah. Milled face. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm nice, sorry. Nice is, the, is this the blue tenderized. handled one? Yeah.
1: Okay. This is. All
0: right. Well, this yeah. is, the, yeah. The Estones the, were all the,
2: the blue rubber. Yeah. Handle yeah. And all the, the, yeah, the steel. Yeah. yeah. And so, all, so that, so. is
1: that, is that before like, like wooden ones came out? No. Like what's, what's the, what's the deal with that? Why was that kind of the staple one? And then when did the actual wooden? Wooden handles
0: been way far beyond steel. so when did this st- when did those come out i wow. wonder
2: the uh um the s-wing the classic s-wing
0: it's been around for years for a long time like, yeah like i think it came out and i think in the 40s or 50s yeah yeah and, and it some was of like them used the, to be the
1: leather bound ones yeah, right they, yeah, they had those really nice yeah. smooth leather
2: yeah yeah you basically had wooden handled hammers yep that were like basically like a framing hammer on a hatchet handle yep and then you had those S-wings yep. with the blue rubber grip. And my old bosses had the same ones. And you yeah. can get big ones. I worked with one guy who had a 32 ounce. Yeah, that's insane. Insane. But if you're doing form work, I
0: can kind of see it. Yeah. Well, no, he right? was just framing. And he was just, he was yeah. 6'5 and so, 240 pounds. So so it made sense. He, that actually happened to me because once he showed me the hammer I was supposed to get, I went out that night and I bought an S-wing. But I bought the like shorter one, yeah. little, little baby guy. With and I curved, came in the claws. No, it had to start because it was just a smaller hammer. And I came in and I was just like, hey, I was all happy. I got my hammer and everything. And he's <laughs> like, what are you doing? And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I told you to get this one. I'm like, it is this one. And he's like, it's not that one. So I was like, oh, all right. And he's like, don't use it, you know, yeah. so you could take it back. So I was like, all right, fine. And so I worked the whole day and I and I took the hammer back at, that night and I, and I got 22. Uh, I went to get a 22 and it was sold out so i ended up getting a 28 ounce oh geez right and like I, I weighed like a buck 25 <laughs> <laughs> and this thing walking was, with a limb yeah. and this thing was like a monster for me and it's then huge. i came in the next day and he's like right on you got it and then but then he had he gave me a few little tasks like hand on hangers and things on like that but he could see i was like just struggling and he came mm-hmm. over and he ripped it out of my hand and he's like what are you doing He's like, I told you what exactly to get. And I'm like, they didn't have it. So I had to buy this. It was the only option. Yeah. And he's like, oh, my God. He's like, here, give me that because you're swinging the hammer right now. He yeah. was he was laying out. So we switched hammers. And at the end of the day, he just gave it back to me. He goes, take it back. Yeah. yeah. And I'm yeah. like, oh, my God. All right, fine. So I took, it, I took it back, got my money back. And then I was like, I'm never going to be able to find this hammer. So I spent my whole damn night trying to find this hammer. And I finally found one and I was like, all right, finally, I have the acceptable hammer. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and this is all like things that in my mind, I'm like, this is such a pain in the ass to like work properly, yeah. mm-hmm. you know? And I was just like, why, why does this have to be so <laughs> difficult mm-hmm. at, at right? that point too? You're like, why does it matter? Yeah. Hammers hit nails. Like, yeah, just- exactly. So like when I bought the shorter handle one, I I was perfectly okay with swinging yeah. that thing, but it didn't fit the image i guess sure. so at that time i didn't realize there was a thing that there was that actual image that you had to to uphold to, to yeah. you were a framer right yeah. and i'm like this is weird and uh okay so production production framing yeah got into you and then you i was the only laborer for 17 man framing oh. holy cow you moved a lot of material i i had like five minutes to load like 150 studs into each unit stand by the window, went to forklift, unload all the plates, set it up for all the guys that knew what they were doing and then nice. do everything that they didn't want to do because they were That's just too damn important, yep. you know? And, uh, yeah, it it was, it sucked, but it was moving in the, the best possible direction for me. I was still getting paycheck every two weeks. I was just made, I was making ends meet just barely. And I was like, all right, well, how does this go from here? Like I, I, I had gotten frustrated with that as well because, again, here I am. I'm just moving lumber. I'm not really doing anything special. This is definitely not framing, especially when you're working on a, a crew with, that the magnitude of that size was insane yeah. for the time. And I'm watching all these guys are building walls, building floors. And, and, and the way they were able to do it and, and we were able to break up a townhouse block is they would just do the unit themselves. Like it wouldn't like we would put up the whole entire back wall but once, once the thing was shelled in for all your outside walls up, then everybody kind of broke down into their own little section mm. and they would take it up. Mm. So they wouldn't stop. They would do all their interior walls for that unit, but they wouldn't stop there. They would brace and level up themselves and start their second floor. Mm. So then I was watching them and I'm like, this is a very interesting thing because you could see who wanted to make more money, right? Like it was visual. It was right in your face like who was making the most money. And I was like, interesting. And then I asked a bunch of questions and I'm like, you guys are obviously not hourly. And they're like, no, we're piecework. Hmm. Right. And I'm like, oh, what does that mean? So they were like, we get paid a percentage of the square foot. So the faster we go, the more money we make. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And, that was, and I was nice. And I didn't think about actually doing anything about it until I got f- super frustrated. Super frustrated. How long no. did you
2: labor for before you got a chance to get out of that? Uh, bef-
0: before I actually touched like nailer or whatever. About a year and a half, two years. Year and a half, two years that you were just laboring. Yeah. Holy cow. Because that's that's all they needed. Yeah. And if right? you're good at it, they're like, yeah. Yeah. Because I, I, I needed the job and they knew. Yeah. Right. They were like, he's going to run no matter what we tell him to go get. That's a long time. Yeah. So I, that's,
1: And that's so like untypical. Yeah. Usually your labors are like, they do that for maybe what, two like, months two and months and
0: then, then train them up and train them up and, or yeah. they quit yep you yep. know so yep. the fact that you'd yeah i needed the job yeah i wasn't doing it for me yeah right so i had to always keep that in the back of my head and it wasn't actually until one of those guys on the crew when i got super just frustrated um at that at that time when i was frustrated i had built wall i had helped do some floor stuff but i was mm-hmm. still just like the laborer yeah like once on the totem pole yeah yep. like once the roof went on i was Doing everything that like all the backing that they forgot to do yeah. or, you know, things of things of that nature. And I got super pissed off. And then I, like, I never used to show how mad I was at work mm-hmm. until I did. And then I was busy and yeah. I had like throwing shit around and I was so frustrated and everything. And, yeah. and then finally one guy was like, what is your problem right now? I'm like, man, do you have kids? And he's like, I do. And I was like, I got four. I was like, do you think I'm doing all right? Doing what I'm doing down here? Mm -hmm. you know and i was like i need to make money i need to figure out how to advance past this Mm -hmm. like i can't be doing this i'm wasting time right and he was just like how bad do you want it i'm like do you see me pissed off down here like i wanted I, i need to make money that's all i care about and he just said the money's up here and he's like i'll tell you what tomorrow you don't do what you're doing. You come up here on the roof with me if you're okay with heights on. I'm like, man, I used to jump out of perfectly good airplanes. I am perfectly fine yeah. with coming up on a roof. So the next day I got all excited and I, I went home and I told my wife. And I was like, holy crap, this guy's going to bring me up on the roof. She's like, well, that's extreme. Like, shouldn't you start doing like, <laughs> you know, yeah. get, that is get a big fundamentals <laughs> right? First. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I, I don't know. We're going to figure this out though. But he's told me the money is up there. So she said the same thing. If you're comfortable, I'm like, I'm totally okay with this. And, you know, this is like back before harnesses and work boots and hard hats. Like, so I I did. I got all excited and everything. I got there like 35 minutes earlier in the morning. I was super excited because I didn't know what to do. I'm like, do I need to like wear different stuff? Like, how does this work? I have no, this is all new. Mm -hmm. So I did. And I got up there and he, he showed me how to quickly lay sheets and, how to do it really efficiently and safely to, to not be scared, but respect where you are. Mm-hmm. You know, like you are up high, like this is not a playground, but Dangerous. It, yeah. yeah. So I was like, all right, I understand everything that he was like, cause it's cheating, right? It's not really hard. Yeah. Don't make it, make this simple task a hard thing. So even, even in that short instruction, while he was losing his own money to show me, mm-hmm how to do this fast. And the boss is meantime, he's downstairs in the back window with the forklift waiting for me to unload stuff. And mm-hmm. he's screaming his head off at me. And all we can hear is the horn going. And finally he looked over the edge and was like, Hey, he's up here with me, like leave him alone. Mm-hmm. Right. He's not unloading stuff. So then I remember, cause I, I got panicked. I'm like, I'm going to get fired. Yeah. Like right now, this is where I get fired yeah. just for trying to advance. So I just kept and, he just told me, he was like, just keep going. I was like, I'll take care of him. You know? I'm like, fine, whatever. And I just slamming sheets ahead of him. And he was back nailing behind me. And I turned around to go get another sheet. And I saw the boss standing back watching me. And I'm like, oh, God, like my day is done. Yeah. Like as soon as we go down for lunch, I can guarantee I'm fired. And uh, I went down there at lunch and he was like, yeah, you're pretty comfortable up there, aren't you? And I'm like, it's just a roof. You know, it's not that bad. And he was just like, yeah, he's like, you're, you're done moving lumber. Hmm. And I'm like, what? I'm like, what did have did that like a year and a half ago? You know, but I was like, whatever. Yeah. And since that day, I, I, she, I was up there on every single roof. And, uh. So at, you
1: went from hourly to piecework then? Or did
0: you stay? Nope. I, sta- I stayed hourly for a while because I was too scared to, uh to take that leap into piece of work because yeah. if I'm, I'm having a bad day or whatever the case may be, my body's sore, I'm sick, whatever the case may be, I'm just losing money at that point. Mm-hmm. But I was smart enough to know, even if I know if I showed up, I, if, when I was hourly, I was like, I'm still going to get my hourly. Yeah. I'm just going to get complaints and then get bitched at a lot for being so slow. But that was the turning point for me because after I started doing that, then I then it was like, okay, so once the roof's done, then what do I do? Right, because he said I'm never going to move lumber again. So then I got put on with the guys that were like starting a floor, and th- some other guys started back framing and everything like that. And I I got taught how to do a floor really fast. And I'm like, oh, well, this is, this is actually easy. Floor system simple, yeah. Right, like so. My I had my first experience with nail guns and everything like that, and I was really fast just by watching them. I was sloppy, but I was really fast. And he kept telling me, he's like, man, he's like, if you can clean that up, you're going to be deadly. And I'm like, I don't even know what that means. I'm just right now, I'm just nailing up stuff because I know that's what I'm supposed to be doing. And I'm supposed to be doing it really fast. Right. And and I didn't know, but I, I, I was, I was, I was working towards something because at this point we hadn't talked about any money going up higher, but I knew as, as a person in this, I needed to prove myself that I am worth more than what I was doing and and i did i i went like crazy because like i said we were doing this and like the buildings were done in five days so they were going so fast that it was like i need to have a certain basic portfolio for him to see that i am definitely capable of doing other things before next payday so that way i can have the talk it's a very cause and effect industry where it's like if
2: you show promise and you work hard yeah. you can work yourself into a better higher position because otherwise your boss is seeing like you're oh, we're actually squandering his present his potential yeah because he's
0: showed way more hustle yeah than uh than and, everybody else so let's let's promote him and make use of him because it makes him money though. that's exactly what happened and i and i was perfectly okay with it so after that point from that from that gentleman getting me up on the roof i'm using gentleman lightly because he was like he was savage but <laughs> but from that point within a year and a half I had progressed so much that I was actually running the crew so, so it was like a 3 a 3 4 year span you went from
2: laboring to being like lead hand running the yeah. crew
1: so what was the process as and maybe you still didn't like the work cuz at first you were saying I just doing it because <laughs> when did the enjoyment start to come into play when you were like was it was it just strictly i'm making money so it's enjoyable because i'm making money or where where was like the gratification of the project and the
0: well that's the thing because like at first you don't realize it's actually happening right because i had that mentality it didn't when i when you go into something you have that mentality of desperation and you're doing it for somebody else and you're doing it for your family over yourself you'd rather rather sacrifice your happiness to take care of what needs to be taken care of It doesn't matter, but it was a it was after I was in in the lead hand position already and uh I was up on a roof one morning and I was sat there and the sun was coming up because we started like six o'clock five thirty six o'clock, and the sun was coming up and I was already up on the roof and everything and I got to watch the sun come up and I just sat there and I'm like, this is amazing like why do I want to be anywhere else but right here right now mm like there's not a cubicle there's not a anything yeah. that could could match it even remotely close and then once I, I i remember that day like it was i can drive you to the house mm. and point you to the direc- direction i was looking at that moment and just be like wow like this was what i'm i'm meant to do this mm. right and then i i started like enjoying my day goofing around having mm. fun with it you know Making other people around me, you know, like I, I would make them laugh and carry on to a point where they would go faster. Like we used to like play race all the time. Like yeah. race, race you for a case of beer mm. was the thing, right? Or whatever, whatever you wanted. Race you, I'll pay, I'll pay your truck tab. You know, at the end of the week, you know, whatever the mm-hmm. case may be. But I, I made it into an, in a, into a, a more fun yet a, we're still aggressive as hell. We were still fast, fast, fast but i would I would bring it to that point where I would playfully put everybody against each other, and I'm like, this is hilarious, like I get to come to work every day and do this nonsense like it <laughs> was sweet. great, yeah, you know but and and the only reason why I did it that way is because of the way I was taught like my the boss I worked with on the, the production crew there, he was a very angry guy, like if you didn't get called all kinds of names by eleven o'clock in the morning, you just weren't doing your job correctly, right. And I learned how to frame that way. So like when I was first in the foreman and position, I went about it that way. Cause that's what I knew. This is the way to get the guys to do things. But once I, I realized that I was in love with what I was doing and I, and I was happy to go to work every day and, and things like that. And I switched, I, I was like, I'm gonna switch this up. You know, like, let's let's see hmm. where we can go with being a little bit funnier and nicer. Like I was still an aggressive ass. Hmm. But only when ne- I needed to be. Yeah. There's a, there's a that efficiency like you say it can be achieved,
2: you know, in that like hard ass, angry, fearful manner. Yeah. But it can also be achieved in like we're kind of chasing each other, we're kind of racing, we're having a good time. There's camaraderie. We're like yeah. we're getting something done quick. Like yeah. if you can find that place, then you develop an environment where people want to work together. Yeah. They're motivated. They're supported. They're encouraged. Yeah. There's still going to be hard times amidst that, oh, yeah. but it, it creates such a more positive atmosphere that that actually builds into people and still gets the job done. It's, just, oh, yeah. it's better in every
0: regard. Well, it it's, it goes with that saying: you get more bees with honey than vinegar. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Like it's and,
1: funny though. Like you also are a little bit of a self-proclaimed like hard ass on uh, on the job site. You know, like again, probably one of the most liked people on Instagram. Um, you know, but then when you walk into a site, it's like, well, I, I mean business and you're probably not going to like work with me because yeah. I, whatever, like what's that balance like?
0: It it's, it gets intense. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, like being liked on Instagram means nothing yeah. when it affects your, your career. Yeah. Um, I am hated when I, I show up on sites, I get dirty looks all the time. I've had crews come up and challenge me like Honest to God, show up, literally park the truck, wait for my forklift to show up and have crews walk up to me. Oh, I know who you are. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't be as good as you say you are, Mm -hmm. you know, and like, we're doing houses side by side. And I'm like, man, like, you don't know me. Mm -hmm. You only see what I let you see. Like, don't bark up this tree right now. Like, and sure enough, they do. And they get spanked. (laughs) <laughs> you know and, and and then I go about my day. Yeah. But now now it's to a point like I just don't even care anymore. I'm just like, hate me or not, I'm just here to work. Yeah. You know, I still love what I do on a daily basis. And I'm like almost 28 years in and yeah. I don't care. Mm-hmm. If you if you like me or you don't, I don't care. My job sure. is not to, to be here to for you to like me. My job is here to put up a good product and that's what we're gonna do.
1: Yeah.
2: So at one point then you stepped out on your own. And you ended up also then going solo and building big structures completely by yourself. Yes. Like Again, to try and gallop through that, to give us a snapshot of that, mm-hmm. you know, what was that situation like? I know you said that came out of necessity because there was you a know, recession, recession yeah. and you, there's no help and you just had to do what you had to do. Yeah. Um, like on one hand, that sounds like really appealing and gratifying, but at the same
0: time, really, really hard and not always the most efficient. That's how you get efficient. Mm-hmm. Right, you learn how to micromanage yourself first, and then you can micromanage a crew. Um, yeah, it did. It came out in 2008 with the recession. Uh, the price price of framing uh, was absolutely insane. It was two dollars and thirty five cents a square foot, and at that, you can't even buy nails. Like, how are you supposed to pay somebody to help you? So, I I needing money still then because I I wasn't uh financially set up to a point where i i could be like oh well i'm just not working this isn't worth my time i had to step it up i'm like all right like you have to you have to be in a mentality that you are going to do damage to yourself to do what you have to do to keep your family good and and that's i had come to grips with it and i i literally went out there and I, i started framing by myself. And I, I was doing as going as hard as I could, as fast as I could, but making sure I stayed within the, the means of the quality that the jobs kept coming. Like that that was a thing that uh, and there's framers out there now that still don't grasp that concept. You know, they're just I'll slap it up. Yeah, yeah, but
1: well, I remember it's like,
0: short it lived at that point, right? Like great, Luke, you, you went did to the same one. thing,
1: right? In two thousand and everything crashed. Yep. Like it, it was, well, because maybe it was the same in Toronto, whereas like everything was so good for a while. All of a sudden you had all these people starting up construction companies that had really no business yeah. starting up a construction company. And then, you know, when it all crashed, you kind of, it weeded out all those guys, yeah. all these people disappeared. And then the people that actually, right. Cause didn't, wasn't that kind of, cause you never really struggled or, or anything with work yeah. through that time.
2: Yeah. We fortunately had, had built a, a good solid reputation and, you know all the sub trades around we were their top pick for framers to follow. Um that's what you want. And <laughs> so yeah, we we were fortunate enough to work through recession. I mean mm-hmm. things were tighter and harder. But you know, I think over my, you know, whatever 16 years of framing, I think we were we were without work for maybe two or three weeks in mm-hmm. total. You know, we that's we good, managed yeah. to stay busy the entire time. Yeah. Um and again there was there was ups and downs and definitely hard times. Yeah. But but yeah, through that time it was like you just Keep your head down you you actually reap the benefits of having invested in your company and a reputation yeah. for the previous years that then carried you through the the hard times
0: but that's also one of the things i never considered with my career hmm. because i was with that company and we were mainly production and we were super fast and everything like that quality wasn't awesome um like before i took over the, the form and position it was really not awesome but when i realized after I realized this was the job I wanted to do and everything like that, and then I realized this is actually my name. It doesn't matter if that's his company. He's not here. I'm building the place. I'm running the guys. Something's got to change because my name's on this now. So we have to switch this up a bit. We have to tighten it up. So we, we used to say within the inch when the other guy was the foreman, and we definitely changed that once I got in there. And unfortunately, the company was known very well <laughs> so everybody that i that i i would go to to you know get houses off and they're like oh where did you use the frame and as soon as i would bring it up they're like are you kidding mm. and i'm like i am not that guy i am <laughs> you're thinking about the guy before me that i replaced i'm like i am not that guy and like it every house was a struggle to get because i would have to like convince them right. to let me prove it to you that mm-hmm. and then and that's a big ask mm-hmm. right Cause you're either going to get a messed up house or you're going to get a good product. You don't know. So it is a big yeah, ask I and I totally understand where they were at now. But back then I was like, this is going to suck for a while. But yeah, I, I ended up having to do things on my own and, and without help. And I framed uh 34 houses back to back uh, by myself. And I'm talking like 20, 2900 square feet every two weeks done no matter what by myself so it was, it, it was interesting, you know. What are, you, what are your, uh, like over your time being on your own, what are your, like
2: say top one or two projects? You look back like that was an awesome build, it's a fun project or it was
0: challenging and you got through it. Like what are, what would be a top one or two that come to mind and um, why? Well, the one I just recently recapped and reposted, um, it was actually for CEO of Canadian Tire, which is hmm. obviously known quite a bit (laughs) up here um his house was great a lot of interest get details and and things that you never actually really thought about putting in houses like Mm. so it was it was it was a lot of work and and it was good because it was challenging myself as a framer to make sure i I like i knew what i was doing Mm. like every 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 framer knows everything in theory but until you actually get (laughs) get a plan that it's actually sitting in front of your face you're like yeah okay Let's see if I actually know how to do this. Yeah. Right. So or you figure like, out how
2: to do it. there's, there's things I know probably I've had to do where I'm like, I haven't had to build this before. Yeah.
0: Let me just figure it out. Yeah. It's or, even, or even if like you're mid mid go and you get like a change order and you're like something that was already a time consuming, difficult aspect of it. And they like up the ante <laughs> and you're like, well, what if we do this, but we do it vaulted. And you're like, how do you step up a rate radius into a vaulted roof? So it's inside and outside, and have it plane into two hips that are I'm like, mm. you know. I just look look for the largest open part of the floor and just started drawing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then I'm like, it can't be any different than a rafter, right? If we're going up and like my ribs have to be set at this, and I'm doing it on this pitch, the rise should okay. I think I got it. You know, but but being able to to like focus on that when you have a crew running around you asking you questions all the time is yep. it can be nuts and 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 it was it was challenging in that aspect where it was like the house was our we are it was already under pressure knowing who the client was it was the pressure of the size of the house the time of year um it tested my patience with the weather like weather always winter always sucks but when you're working on a project of that magnitude um i was expecting things to go a little haywire sometimes but i was never expecting for uh taking christmas break and i came to the site to make sure the tools were okay but while mm. i was there i got out and i started walking around and i realized that the middle footing in the in the basement had gotten so much frost under it, it heaved up in the middle of the house four and a half inches mm. like it was just a as soon as you walked into the house and you started walking that way you're like Am I walking on snow, or am I missing a shoe? Like, what is go? Because you <laughs> yeah. saw the corner of the one wall It's just jacked right up, and I'm like, okay. And then I I looked up on on the second floor, and I'm like, oh no, yeah, that thing right. must have made a racket as it was like with like crackling, Heaving. yeah, like the pops like, and cracks of that place was moving. I would have loved to hear it, but yeah. at the same time, I it sucked. <laughs>
2: but <laughs> speaking
1: of the pops and cracking, if you guys are wondering. We are the shop. Everyone's building tool belts over there. So as part of me, I'm like, should I just go tell them to like to like? But yeah. so we're gonna I'm, gonna right? I'm gonna tell them. i tell them right now.
0: You guys uh, I actually heard it a couple couple times there. I was laughing. Yeah. But.
2: So that that particular job, like, really really gratifying. <laughs> Thanks, Brad. <laughs> well,
1: uh, Marjo, I think it's your tool belt they're working yeah, on. Don't, right don't, don't tell them to slow down. <laughs> I think I actually scared them. Like, man, they've never heard me actually like, I'm not that guy.
2: So that job, like, you know, a uh, one that comes to mind, not because it was like, you know, the nicest weather and a beautiful fish product, like the process was one you look back at like
0: it was a hard job to do. And when like, yeah. you you uh well, uh, overcoming things that you never thought would yeah. actually happen, right? Like yeah when you're when you're working on a project that magnitude the, the last thing you want to say is i don't know how we're going to get that four and a half inches hump out yeah. of the middle of your house you know so we started coming up with all kinds of in in ideas uh like uh frost blankets pumping off all kinds of heat down in the basement and and like i gave up a couple of days of my christmas holidays because i was so panicked over it mm-hmm. i couldn't let it go and uh i kept going back to work and going back to work and i'm like all right is it is it is it moving all right it moved a quarter inch all right that's hopeful but it's not really you could just have a uh, a milder day and it just let a let off a little bit and then if you get that again if you get that little melt and then you get the hard freeze again the next day <laughs> it's going back up higher so it was all working out well and then i i finally went down to the basement on the uncomfortable Covered some of the areas over the footing, took the frost blankets off, and I could see gaps in the ground. And I was like, oh, we got, we have a gap. We have enough to push it down. But how do you get it down? Yeah. Right? Like, it's in the middle of a monster house. So I actually ended up calling a crane. You had two floors on top of it? Yeah. And I, I ended up calling a crane and uh, having him pick up lifts of our lumber and just, boom, aggressively dropping it onto the floor just pile driving it just back pile driving no, yeah so wow. me and one guy i had one guy come and help me just just in case if anything had gone wrong i wasn't there by myself so somebody called 911 yeah but uh <clears throat> yeah so we ended up pile driving this thing down within a half inch and i called the builder and i'm like hey we got it down within a half inch and he's like all right well you know you guys continue on if you can and then we'll take care of the rest of that. We'll we'll start maintaining it, and we'll watch the heat and everything like that. And we did end up getting it down in the long run, but it did it took four months. To o- o- overcoming
2: that adversity was like part of what made that job so good.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we literally had to leave, go do a couple other houses, come back, do do a section of it. Okay, it's going to go down more. I don't want to put the roof on yet. You know, let's do all the back frame, all the fancy arches. You know did everything throughout the house until to a a point where i was like okay i still don't want to put the roof on we went and did one more house came back and i'm like all right we have no choice now this is getting ridiculous you know like uh, they gave us like six months to build this thing so we were still fine and uh i was like finally like i was like all right we got to do this so i ended up taking a couple walls down because we were putting the roof on and from that little half inch heave that still hadn't gotten out of there I took some walls down and tempor- temporarily supported the, the, the trusses so they were the same height. So at, at any time, whenever it actually fell down, you can just lift the wall back up. And luckily, we were just at spring. We got a spring thaw. Everything worked out well right at the very end of this mm-hmm. thing. And we were able to put it all back, like stand the walls back up and everything. And Otherwise, it, your it, trusses it, are bearing on interiors and all yeah, that crap, right? Yeah, so mm-hmm. it, it was it was definitely, uh like even getting out of that site, was a pain in the butt like like the container was in the backyard it froze to the ground to the point where like i was snapping chains trying to get it out like it was everything about it everything about it but at the end of the day it was so bad and everything and it was so stressful and and i looked back at it and it was like it looks beautiful it absolutely sucked to build you know because of all all the things and and it was The weather, the guys, you know, trying to get guys to work in minus 40. We had a couple of those days. Uh, We had a couple of days where it was like extreme wind, like Joyce in the second floor. We had some extreme wind where it was actually throwing TGIs off our forklift. Like Mm -hmm. they were just spiraling through the air, you know, and we were (laughs) out there still trying to frame it. But like we went through so much to get to the point, you know, it was just like, it didn't kill us. Like what could possibly stop us now? Yeah. The pride in that in that final product and the perseverance
2: yeah. required to get there. That's yeah, it was absolutely awesome. insane. What's the, um, <laughs> I think I know, your worst injury Yeah, that was a good on one. on the job site. That's,
0: and that had to do with a, a hammer in a spot that you don't wear anymore too, right? Yes. I'm, and this is a PSA for everybody that wears a hammer behind their back. Um, yep. I have wintertime framing. I slipped off a porch that was 12 feet in the air and then my stiletto Kind of turned so the claws were at my spine. And I landed on the frozen ground and pushed the claws of the stiletto into my spine. No kidding. Yeah. And uh, it sucked right away. Definitely knew I did something. Um, I, I've hurt myself many times in my career, but I've always been the type of person where it didn't matter. I would I would get up and walk it off. Or, like, I ripped my thumb off. I taped my thumb back on. I still kind of like taped it shut and still kept trying to work for another hour. Yeah. But this was at, at, at a magnitude I couldn't grasp like the pain. I had my buddies who saw me do it, pick me up and put me in my truck. Cause they wanted to call a lamb. And so I was like, just put me in my truck and going home. Mm-hmm. So they were like, don't worry about it. We'll lock your trailer and everything for you. And uh, yeah, I made it home. I couldn't get out of the truck. I tried. I couldn't put my legs down. And I was like, this is a problem. Like, here couldn't I put am. your
1: legs down as in it was too painful or like you were like losing feeling kind of thing?
0: L- losing feeling. Um, uh-huh. I, I swung my one, like I li- literally, once I realized I couldn't lift my legs, I swung my left leg out of the door and I let it dangle. And as soon as I let it dangle, the amount of pain I had going up my spine was unbearable. Like I literally peed myself. Like, I could not take it. That's how bad it was. I'm like, this is serious. Like, I, I screwed up here and mm-hmm. I screwed up more because I got in my truck and like drove home. Yeah. And uh, I had to call my wife from the, the truck and I had two of, my, two of my sons come and get me out of the truck and bring me into the house. And uh, I, I laid on the floor and my wife was freaking out. She's like, you got to go to the hospital. And she's telling me she's going to call 911. And I'm like, oh, you're not, I'm not going in an ambulance. I'll take my own self to the hospital.
1: You're just too stubborn. Like you're just, just one of those too, guys. Too stubborn. Right? Too cool for a yeah. And that's it, hilarious.
0: Yeah. So I and I did. And and I got the boys, they put me in the because they couldn't get me back up in the truck. So they had to put me in my my wife's minivan. And I oh, that's way better than an ambulance. I, yeah. I couldn't sit down or anything, right? So I had them lay me down like the collapsible seats. I had to <laughs> lay me down in the back and they took me to the hospital. And I was just like, This is not good. So they did all the x rays and everything like that. And they were like, Oh yeah, you're you're in trouble Mm. and uh the the main thing at the moment was to to break the swelling because it was essentially where where this the claws had gone in it actually like started separating my spine just putting so much stress on it Mm. so after that i a whole whole lot of uh muscle relaxers and things of that nature and uh i don't do painkillers so i had to go home and deal with this in the best possible way i could and uh yeah it sucked i didn't work i didn't walk for almost four months yeah well maybe a little bit more than four months actually and i'm talking like everything that you do on a day-to-day i couldn't get myself to the toilet i would i would crawl i would like crawl across the floor and stick my head out my patio door to have a smoke mm-hmm. like i just i couldn't do it is
1: this before instagram as well is this before all yeah the, yeah
0: yeah it's actually a year before okay yeah but it, it was it was it was bad like okay. it was bad bad and like you lose everything like my all the muscle i had in my legs and everything was gone just like twigs on the end of, of enemy by the time i was able to walk again so learned like walking again sucked every day sucked wearing a tool belt was different because i had to wear it in a different way because i, I couldn't have it supported on that area for a while it was tender probably like eight or nine months after mm. Um, so I had to wear my tool belts different. So I started wearing suspenders and uh, keeping belts really loose. So I didn't, I wasn't putting any strain on it, but just the weight of what I would fill my bags with on a daily basis on the suspenders causing the compression right. was causing problems. So it, it, it just led and led. And, like it, it was easy two years after aftermath of that. Like,
1: speaking of like, I guess, yeah, that the tool belts and, and what you had to wear again and then instagram happening maybe a year later when mm. was it that you guys made those connections and yeah. what is what it, again i don't actually have instagram i don't have any of the any of the stuff exactly. i just got actually one of these things i've had i had a flip phone for ages and then my my father-in-law pushed me in the pool and that was out with that so yeah. now i've caught up to the rest of the world
0: but i'm curious but now you can go in the pool yeah so you yeah. can literally are these take these things that? waterproof some of them aren't yeah. cool
1: anyway um <laughs> Yeah, so yeah well, that's,
2: I was gonna say that's like kind of a, like a, <laughs> a perfect segue into your say tool belt and hammer journey. Like mm-hmm. those are those are two things that are you know so integral to to framing. Yep. So what if you if you kind of gave like a quick history of like your tool belt and hammer journey, and then it can kind of we can kind of touch into your transition into starting to play with our stuff. Um, you were the first
0: good one you had originally. I like, think was probably Occidental. That's what you were wearing. Yep. The, the rear hammer. Yeah. I was wearing uh the. What do they call it? green light, oxy lights mm-hmm. uh, green framer bags yeah yep. yeah that's what i was wearing when i was wearing a hammer behind my back then i switched uh from that because of social media started um there was another brand i had been talking to before social media and that was diamondback with the original owners and then i i had met the, the new owners of that and i started talking to them and i was about to pull the trigger on a diamondback but at the time it was they, they were like 1500 bucks or something like that. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. I'm never going to ever spend that much money on it. But after talking with them for a while, because I I needed to find something I can get the hammer away from my back, Mm -hmm. you know, and I didn't like it on a ring or anything like, or the the leather loop that was on the front of Occidental, just smack off your knee. So I was always, I was looking for uh, something different. And I spoke to those owners and I was literally about to buy the thing and they shut down. And i'm like oh well, like this they is- shut down yeah
1: like the company shut down or like the yeah oh wow
0: so at that time uh they, they were essentially just gonna let that brand die and the guy it was a husband and wife and and the guy wanted to start something else and from me talking to him when you know on, back and forth when he was at that brand um we we had linked up on facebook again and he was just like, I don't want to let this die. I really enjoy what it doing, what I'm doing, and everything like that. And he's like, I'm gonna start doing tool belts again. So we started talking and everything like that. And and it came to to light that the name of this this tool belt brand that we had talked about and came up with the like a thirteen hour conversation of what the bags would look like and everything, birthed the name of Badger. Badger being one of the one of the mainstream nylon bags that's out there now. Like i I was around for the get-go that the 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 product development of the bags and and at the time there was only one bag and that was the fsu so so from that point i was with badger for a little bit because i liked the product product and everything and 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 joel being the guy that he is he was very concerned about everything that i needed to continue and and weight distribution of a tool belt and it needs to not be on putting pressure on my back and i and the hammer sleeve and he brought over from from diamondback and it, he had fixed everything with it that they complained about the Diamondback one, so he was able to, to take his bags. Had being part of Diamond, being part of Diamondback before every complaint that he had, he was able to fix with Badger. So, and and obviously he did because it's it's quite quite the setup set up and quite the following he has, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but me being me, once I started showing, you know badger and everything like that and i had a a bunch of other tool belt brands reach out if you're if you're liking that bag so much could you take a look at this one so once i would get these bags and i would start talking about them online which started like a downward spiral of reviewing every tool belt known Mm -hmm. to man um some of them some of them i i've given constructive criticism to a point where they've they've changed and some have not and you know best of luck with you i'm not the be all end all It's just my professional opinion of wearing a tool belt every day. Mm -hmm. And and I'm still, I still have that attitude, you know. What
1: did he say to you?
0: Well, see, it was interesting because, you know,
2: I I got into Instagram and social media stuff. um, I guess I think four years ago. Okay. I think is when I started four or five years ago, I guess. And um, so I had kind of the, my kind of foundational designs I'd I'd had. And having been on the tools, you know, my perspective and building it was like, very real world framer experience with how I designed them. Mm-hmm. From, and that was in, in my realm, you yeah. know, in my little bubble where yeah. I worked and the people I was familiar with, um, wasn't really aware of the greater world of, of how other people wore their tool belts and how they operated. I was again, kind of in my own little bubble. But I remember one of the first people I ended up talking to was actually Byron yeah. out in Vancouver. And uh, I was a front poucher. Yeah. And I I also understood that you know there's a time and place for modular bags on a fall arrest harness and there's that that design. But in regards to like just a fully modular system, I always thought the stitched in place things were were better in that they were lighter, they were held up higher, um, nothing moved around. I, I I liked everything about that, mm. that whole realm of tool belt. So I remember mentioning to to Byron um early on when I had like a super small following and and he was somewhat a local, he's not too far away. And we were talking to belts a little bit, uh, just privately. And he's like, "So you, you're aware that you know front baggers? Like that's a really derogatory term. Like nobody, if you're going to put this out there, it's not going to go well." Yeah. I was like, "Really?" He's like, "Oh yeah, no. It's like there's all these things. I like, don't trust a front bagger. All these things. I'm like, and I, I mean, I've been a tradesman my whole career. So I'm like, I've got thick enough skin. I can put up with people." you know, complaining and and uh, give me the gears over things. So I kind of, I thought it was kind of funny. I'm like, yeah. oh, really? I'm going to be like this black sheep <laughs> come into this whole thing? We'll see what happens. That's yeah. interesting. But thanks for the heads up. Um. So the time came when I ended up following you and I think your following was around like 65,000 followers or something. Mm-hmm. And I maybe had like, I don't know, 5,000, something like that. And uh, I'm like, I think I'm I'm wanting to make some kind of contact and put my stuff in someone's hands who's like a well-respected accredited actual carpenter and hopefully my legitimacy as a carpenter myself will give credibility to the product Mm -hmm. and not that they have to endorse it and be all over it and be huge supporters but they can give honest feedback and and see where I'm coming from and we'll see where it goes so I I reached out to you and and uh, I think Byron had kind of cautioned me a little bit like Joe he he says what he thinks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I kind of heard around that, that you're rough around the edges yeah. sometimes with two of stuff. I'm like, that's fine. I, I genuinely, actually, honestly want, I'm not just looking for a pat in the back. Like I'm wanting a, a real world, honest criticism from another tradesman. Because I've criticized it myself. And hopefully that's going to show through. And I, I'm comfortable with it. But I'm curious what you'd say. And so when we first started talking, you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm not opposed. But you are aware that I'm going to blast you with both barrels if I yeah. don't like it. Right? And I was yeah. like, "Yeah, sure. I'd expect nothing less." So I think that I'm not sure if you really believed me when I said that I'm okay with that. But I, I was genuinely like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm fine." I, with
0: I, I honest to god, and I didn't think you understood exactly what I meant by it because <laughs> I and that and that that just developed over time with all the tool review stuff because there was it got to a point where people were brands were sending things that would break and everything. So I I I got this really attitude problem about it, like. If you're not 100 percent faithful in your product don't send it man it's not worth my time to review it and or break it or whatever the case may be it's not not good for you either yeah mm-hmm. right so like he got it he got it to me like the tail end of that so i was just like had head, you heard of him just before?" heads up
1: was this the first thing that you'd ever heard did you even know that acrobus existed or was that contact the first you'd heard about the belt? no
0: i i had seen it on i i was already following him at that point and, okay. and just kind of lurking Sure. Yeah, and I, you did, I did want a front I did, I did see the front horn and I'm yeah. like, eh, 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 eh. <laughs> all
1: right.
0: Never, you were you weren't like I'm not sure. You're like, no, hell no. Yeah, I, I like literally to the point where I was literally making fun, of, like yeah. just poking the bear at yeah. him yeah. online yeah. and saying, "Friends don't let friends front bag." Yeah, That's you know. Awesome. So I That's I funny. literally was like opposed to it. Yeah. To the so point I sent you a modular set first. Yeah. And
1: you were scared because I remember like, because I didn't have all the stuff. I remember just. Osmosis, hearing you've been like, oh, I'm sending my stuff to this guy, and he's whatever. I'm like, oh, like, how do you feel about it? And I'm like, well, he's, he's the whole double barrel; he might shoot me down, but I'm I'm cool with it. You know, we'll <laughs> see how it goes. But I remember there was a it's a, a nervous it's a, thing to put that final stamp on the box and be like,
0: here you go. Well, yeah. for sure, because like he he's already got enough faith in this product, right? Sure. When when you send it out to somebody, um, an influencer mm-hmm. or or somebody that has the reach, it yeah. can be a scary thing. Sure. You know, especially for him coming online and that being a good avenue to actually make sales so if it doesn't go well and i just slam them it, it could it could potentially affect them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it could hurt the brand really quick yeah you know and, it, and it's not that I'm, I'm doing it with that's my sole intention but i've always had an attitude of i've never lied to my followers this is how i feel and if you don't like it too bad And that's why you have the following you do. And you have the credibility Uh, because I'm not going to lie to them because if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I constantly keep myself in check and yeah. like. And at this
1: time you are anti front bagger and you are into the nylon, nylon bags. Okay. So then you get this thing from Luke, you get, yeah. Then what?
0: Yeah. So, well, I, I, the only reason why I was with nylon, um, Was because it was lighter. I thought that would help my back and everything like that. Um, I still had back issues, but I I thought that was a lifelong thing at that point. Like, I'm going to have this issue for life. It is what it is. Like, I just need to work around it. And every brand I had worked with, we were trying to figure it out. Diamondback 710 Vest was essentially made by Connor to help me. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have to wear a tool belt. You know, then I, I started thinking of it in different avenues. So I, I teamed up with, Ty- with Diamondback. I did a collaboration with them to do like a, a nylon set that was like minimalistic called the chopo. I tried to keep that as small and as lightweight as possible for people to have back problems, but we can still do our jobs, but it still wasn't enough. But here's the thing. I didn't realize it's anything. And, and he hates when I say this, but I didn't realize it, it was the setup of the side bags altogether That mm-hmm. was my issue. So after him sending me first, he sends me a modular one. And I, I really liked it. And I, and I was still with diamond back at the time. Mm-hmm. And I said, if anybody's going to get me back into a leather bag, it's going to be this guy. Mm. Like the the quality work that I was seeing and everything like that. And the thought process of, of coming from a tradesperson, person, yeah. I was like, it you can't beat it yeah. really. Yeah. Like if you're going to buy a leather belt, why would you not? Yeah. It's, it's one of those built by us for us kind of situations. Sure. Right. And I was like, like we've had little odds and ends. Like, why would you carry that big of a knife, or or why would you carry a this sword? In? You mean? What you yeah. <laughs> yeah, So I carry a huge. <laughs> it is. It's massive. So I get the. I get it. But it, he actually sent me the modular setup and and basically tried to for, forcefully get me to try a front bagger. He sent me a B mini. Yeah. And I was and I looked at it. And I was like, cute. I tried it on. I was like, "That's cute." I put it back in the box, and it sat there for two years.
2: It's over the post. You like had it on. Like, oh, just think of this? It's like this joke post. Yeah, like, this yeah. is so
0: funny. But like, oh, well, he's got it. Maybe it'll it'll <laughs> yeah. stew in the background yeah. somehow. Yeah, and I and I did. I left it sit there for two years, and uh, I was still on a nylon kick and everything. But I was still like, you know, he does put out a quality product. Right. i will never shoot him down for that. And I kept switching back and forth between. The modular setup and going back to Diamondback and modular setup and then the more I went back to the modular set, the more I was liking it. But I was still I still wasn't there because I I couldn't figure out the weight. Mm-hmm. I it was it was I was working out the weight and everything like that. And then uh I got my son who was working with us at the time. I bought him one of the Chapos from Diamondback and he didn't like it at all. And I was like, Oh, this is interesting. And then he was like, Didn't you get a tool belt that's just sitting around in the garage? And I'm like, Yeah, and he's like, Can I try it on? And I'm like, Better than getting dusty. Yeah, for sure. So I brought it in. I let him try it on. And he instantly looked at me and was like, I love this thing. This feels so much better. And I'm like, well, that's weird. Right?
2: Like... And this it, is, yeah, the front bag. And it was actually a beam mash, which will work working towards yeah. getting back again. So it's yeah. like a, a
0: mini right side and a, a framing left side. Yeah. And it, w- it was actually insane because I was like, you can't like it. You don't know. You've never had it to work. Like, you can like anything, but unless it functions, it's not, it's pointless, yeah. right? So i was like whatever you know take it to work you know and he did he, he wore it and, and then one day i was uh ryan and myself were up on the roof and i kind of looked through a hole to look down to see what he was doing and i'm watching the flow that this kid had going on and i was like what in the actual hell is that <laughs> right because i hadn't worn a front bagger since i was like dead new to moving lumber i had yeah. like a 39 nine dollar coonies yeah. and that's where my men my mental being was always with it. Like sure. those are the people Handy men and and new guys. Right. Yeah. That was the thing. So I, and I'm sitting up there just baffled and I looked at Ryan and I'm like, yo, you gotta look, just come look at this thing. And he just was just like, even Ryan looked at it and he was like, he's flowing. Like he's, he's not looking, he's just working mm-hmm. away and everything's working just well. And this was on a Friday. So on that Saturday morning, I, he had the store opening and I snuck in and I bought one and, uh, <laughs> because he's monitoring everything it was like 30 minutes after i pushed checkout and it was like do you realize what you just bought <laughs> and i'm like yeah i think i do and he's <laughs> like well we should probably make sure this is like good like this is what you want yeah. and we, we went through some stuff and everything and i was still really really skeptical of it and everything and i was really nervous and and uh i got it and i was just like phenomenal craftsmanship on everything. And everything was exactly where we had discussed everything. And I was like, this guy gets it. Yeah. Right. But I'm still skeptical. Sure. But I, you know, I, I put my money out there. I'm willing to gamble in it. I want that flow that my kids got. And I was like, I got to try this. So I did. I I threw it on. I was super excited to try it and everything. But what I didn't expect was that day. I got used to it within an hour. Like Mm -hmm. it literally took no time whatsoever. I thought my muscle memory was going to be so like distorted for yeah. like a week at least it took me like an hour and i'm like all right this is awesome didn't think anything of it all day you know it took me a little bit and then i started grabbing it with both hands the tape from both sides and i'm like all right this is working but i never realized that day when i went home i didn't have any back pain i wasn't i wasn't like the other days when i would sit down huh? on my truck and i would freak out and like <laughs> I remember it was like right around lunchtime and I'm just sitting there and I just stopped working and I'm like trying to come to grips with the back pain being gone. Yeah. And I'm like, Do I say this out loud? Yeah. Like, right? Because people are gonna think you're nuts. Yeah. Right. And I and I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. And I reached out to him right away. And I was just like, um, I have no back pain. What happened? Where'd it go? Yeah. You know? And he's like, Don't say that out loud because it's not like a medical belt. It's not gonna help you. I'm like, it did. I'm shocked. Yeah. You know, and he, and he asked me a couple of times, he's like, do not say that. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, sure. I still said it. Yeah. But, uh, like I said it every live actually. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I was totally going against him on it. And and then like people were hitting me up and, and I was just like, I, I was like, you can take my word for whatever you want, but here's the thing. I actually put my, my dollars down for it. I bought it. You know, I did pay for this thing and, mm-hmm. and yeah, it did, it did do this. Yeah. So you can take, you know, the other 30 belts I looked at and I said, they were good. And then look at this and, and this exaggerated kind of aspect I have of this thing now, mm. and, and these are all guys that are coming at me with bad backs and they can't figure it out. And I was like, they're like, what did you buy? And I'm like, oh, it's kind of like a, a, it was like an oddball. It was like a B max framer yeah, kind of mashed up one. So I was like, you're not going to get the same one as this one. Cause I was being a prick about it. I'm like, you don't want you guys to have the same one as <laughs> yeah. me. And I was like, B, I was like, get a B max. It's the closest thing. And everybody that I had told to get a B max that had got a B max that had the back pain said the same thing.
1: So what, is there a science behind it? Have, like what is, what's the deal? Weight
2: like, distribution. The weight distribution and the, and i like my, my take is that the bags sit a little bit farther forward. They, mm-hmm. They'd sit more so on your thighs mm-hmm. versus being on your rear end yep. and how that kind of like, holes and twists on your pelvis and your back. It's just, it's different. Yeah, And I think so oftentimes the reality of like relieving pain is putting stress in a different position. So, Mm. you know, if you're doing the same thing repeatedly, hoping for a different result, what's the definition of insanity? You can't wear a tool belt in the same spot in your body, regardless of the manufacturer, if it's still got pressure in the same place. Mm. So yeah, the B-Max, the B-Mini, those front worn ones, they are more forward Mm -hmm. and the weight lays on your thighs a
0: bit more. Um, it, it just sits on your body differently. So and, that, and that was one of the situations talking about the, you can't keep doing the same thing. Like I, I went from Occidental Leather where the bags would slide around all the, all over the place. And I'm like, when when I, when I switched to Badger from that point, I wanted to get rid of it. Cause I'm like, that's going to hurt your back too. Right. Cause if the bags aren't stationary and they're moving around and everything like that. And that's one of the things I liked about his modular belt because the, the belt pad kept the bags in the same spot. Right. So I was was against that because I'm like, okay, your bags are sliding around side to side in the whole nine yards. That's going to hurt your back. Not only is that going to hurt your back, you're going to start blowing your shoulders out, trying to reach back, yanking your bags back and and mm -hmm. things like that. So with Badger and having that diamond back kind of history where they Velcro their bags to the belt Mm. so they don't move, I was like, that kills the problem. It also takes the hammer away from my back. So it was like a a double whammy and it was working and i'm like okay but and i'm trying like two inch belt four inch belt six inch belt trying like everything to to make this work out and i'm still going still got this damn back pain like Mm -hmm. it's just because i kept doing the same thing because i i I figured that was the problem i needed to just have the bag set in a certain way still going at the same, same side bag style And I never thought about it, but man, once I, once I got that one on Mm -hmm. and like he was saying, or it's pushed forward a little bit. So in my eyes, it helps having it pushed forward a little bit because your legs are actually giving you a little bit of help too, Exactly. right? Your legs are lifting your bags with every step. Right. Yeah. So it's not just you relying on it, on your, just weighing down on you. Yeah. Just the way it's distributed and the motion of it. Mm -hmm. Like obviously he's, he, he, he had gone through some. Yep. Some R and D, he's trying to figure this out. It like everything down to the, like the straps on the front pouch. Because mm-hmm. at first I remember I was like, "What the hell is that? Like, do, what do I need that?" And he's like, yeah. "You can cut it off," and I'm yeah. like, "But why is it there?" And and then I didn't realize why it was there. But it, and then once he said it, I'm like, "Huh, that is why that's there." Like that, like it, it's it's working. Yeah, every step I take, it's pulling that front pouch with me. It can't. It doesn't have enough room to to swing up and swing back and, and like bag you, yeah, you know, I'm like, I hate this. Like, like this is genius. Yeah. So I, and I've been front bagging ever since. Hmm. Yeah. Like I, I did one post once because I, I left my tool belt all, out overnight and uh, it was the only one that was in our container. So I ended up throwing one of the bags back on and I hated my life for a day while they, while my bags <laughs> were drying out. But you know, it, I I have I have nonstop been a front bagger. I am that's I am fascinating. definitely a changed person. And on like I said to him, and I said it online. And I I'm done with tool belts. Yep. Yep. Like I I'm home. I'm yep. good. Yep. You know. Um, so that, that's
2: awesome to kind of talk through the the tool belt um, kind of evolution mm-hmm. and the the contact and and how that's been of of help to you. Um, on the tool side, you've had <laughs> your hands. In on figurety and literally, in regards to like tool design and and those two, um, so I know there's only so much that you can say, but in regards to the tools that I personally have used for a long time and most of the people that are on the in the trades you, you've actually had
0: some pretty substantial influence on tools that most people carry and use yeah yeah uh I, I do a lot of r and d and and help with designs and stuff in the in the background uh. Now, the thing of it is is I will never review a tool that I had partaken in that because mm-hmm. you're going to get an unbiased opinion. So, I will say it's nice, but I won't I yep. won't sell you it. Cuz I I always thought if I did I, if I did what I was doing properly, the tool would sell itself. I wouldn't have to say anything. So I can just show you what it can do and I'll just shut up. <laughs> I just I don't need to say anymore, mm-hmm. you know. And it, and that's worked out really well. Most of the rear handle saws out there right now, I've had my hands in. The irony of it is, the only one that I I haven't really had my hand in is the one I use on the daily. That's funny. So, is that the one that the beard? Taught? No, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. But yeah, like it, it's it's just it's been a trip, and because mm-hmm. of social media, I've been able to been blessed with the opportunities to do some of this stuff. But any, anywhere from saws, hammers, tool belts, everything, I've, I've had influence on, on 90% of what I see out there. Mm-hmm. I've, I've talked in, in the framing world, I would say. Um, I have stepped out of my comfort zone on a couple of them just mm-hmm. because I know tools. Yep. Uh, a couple of biter saws I've had just some things to do with. But So what are you, what are you doing
2: like this last year? Like, what are you doing now? Because you're, you're not framing as much as you used to. And you no. are doing a ton of reviews and and um, in no. that realm. So, like, what is your kind of current situation? Yeah. And then, what would you kind of like
0: foresee or hope the next five ten years brings for you? Yeah. Well, I mean, you gotta enjoy life sometime, right? So that's kind of where this year has been. It's been a weird year for work anyway. Ha- having doing what I do on social media is basically like a second career. So it's it's not like I'm. I'm walking away from my day job to do this the day job is having its own sort of problems financially but the our our economy the way it is right now so i after after working through a recession and knowing what i went through the first time i'm not willing to do it again if i don't have to and i don't so i'm not going to i, I would rather sit at home and work for free or just go through the motions or or in the worst case scenario put yourself further in debt you know, I've been there. I've done that. It sucked. Yeah. You know, it's like a race that you're never gonna win, kind of thing. And uh yeah, so I, I've just been stepping up on the on the tools a little bit more, showing a lot more tools lately, showing different different ways to use them, and 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 trying to trying to relate it to still working. You know, like we we've done a not even a quarter of the houses we usually do in a year this year. You know, but like I said. I'm not going to try to work for free so i don't have, i don't plan on it i'm going to set this one out and i'm fully prepared to not work at all next year if that's what it takes it's pretty cool though like thinking about when you first got into instagram was to kind of like support
2: and educate yeah like, people in the field and then you start you know posting about tools and you're like spending your own money yeah at, in a sense of the benefit of the people viewing yeah to educate them at mm-hmm. your own expense yeah and then finding out how to kind of monetize that, and like actually get support from the tool manufacturers, yep. so that you're compensated. Okay, this is win-win. I'm actually getting tools I can make use of, and I can share and show support to the community. And then you know we're not getting any younger, no. You know, and so it comes a point like, you know, our, our livelihood needs to change. We need to be aware of our physical capability and mm-hmm. and then the reality of the market, and to to start transitioning into a position of I'm still gonna, continually support the industry I've always. Oh, yeah. I've always supported and been a part of, and I can do it from an, a position of maybe less physical impact, still do some jobs, show tools, yeah. have firsthand experience on it, encourage people to to work in a particular manner with a particular tool that's going to suit them well. That's been a, a kind of a fascinating part of kind of my journey. I mean, I I originally had like, you know, six different models of stitched in place. Mm. This is all I'm going to yeah. do. This is yeah. it. And then your your world explodes, and you're like, oh, there's other perspectives and workflows and priorities out there. For me to actually honestly engage my audience, I actually need to add more products mm-hmm. that support other <coughs> other preferences and uh, and flows of work. And acknowledge there's more than one way to do this. Yeah, you know, I still have to like at some point say I'm only taking it this far. I'm, I'm not going to get into this domain, that particular preference you know there's only one person a thousand that that's going to work for that's not justifiable yeah but like to actually with all the knowledge that you've got how can i support the people that are in this industry in a way that's helpful yeah that you can sleep at night not become a sellout and just do things for money like it's a it's an interesting point of balance but you you still are in a position of it'd be
0: super easy for you to do that though Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. you know but but i think with you it was different because you realize that a tool belt is a very personal thing, right? So you were able to say, okay, there, I don't need to stick to just this, this platform of SKUs that I have, that I think this is what we're going to be about that you started designing things around the comments and, and the, and the feedback and everything. Cause you you were realizing you want to keep it your own. You're not going to step out of your lane, which you haven't. And, but you, you started designing things in that aspect to, to help those people that wanted to have that personal feeling, yep. you know? And, and, and it's a common question online is, what's the best? Yep. and it's so personal, yes. uh, yeah. you cannot answer that question, right, like I don't know how many times I put a tool belt on or added something or even like one of the modular setups, set so I, I would switch them around so much and people were like, oh, I never thought about doing it. But you literally just bought the same, same rig as you saw but you don't like it because it's that's what works for me. Yeah. This is my personal thing. So I will give you my opinion on my personal understanding of it. Yeah. You know, and I have to be very clear about it because I understand how much these things cost. I know how hard we work for our money. Right. I'm not going to lie to you, you know, and and here's what I have to say, but keep, keep in the back of your head of what you want, not yeah. what I'm doing. Well, sometimes the case with so many things is that the, the
2: right thing to do is not the easiest thing to do sure. you know i get i get asked all the time you know as you do what's the best setup yeah like depends mm. okay here's my here's my list of questions <laughs> you know what do you do for work what tools do you carry what's your height what's your pant size you know what, what are you a knuckle dragger you got long yeah. arms and a skinny yeah. torso or are you like you know what, what's your build like all those different things um and like it would be so much easier to say bmax all day long, everybody, that's just the, the go-to easy answer. I yeah. can just copy and paste that. Like that depends. It yeah. totally depends. So then you, you wade through it. And at the end of the day, what you're doing is you're respecting the person. You're mm-hmm. acknowledging that you have a perspective. And it doesn't yeah. mean that I'm going to agree with everything you say. You know, like pretty much every single time someone's like, Well, this is how I work. I got my hammer on my right side, this here, and I got my rafter square on my right side. I'm like, pump the brakes. Rafter square on your right. Yep. Yeah. That's where I carry it. What handed are you? So, so what do you, What? What? where's your pencils? Where am I right? Okay. So just so I understand it correctly, you grab your score with your right hand, you put it in your left hand, then you grab your pencil and like, yep, that's how I do it. I'm like, okay. So we, we do offer custom builds if that's the direction you want to go, but mm-hmm. just so you're aware, we design them this way for this reason and it'll be two weeks of frustration and irritating to get your muscle memory broken up, you know, overwhelm your muscle memory. But once you get used to it, it's less motions. It will be quicker, you know. And most of the time, people are like, okay, yeah, I, I see where you're coming from, and they give it a try, and then they get used to it. And They go, "This is clearly better," <laughs> yeah. you know. So again, you try to like, you know, steer people in a direction that you genuinely feel is the best for them, but I still try to allow an avenue that they can still customize and do their own thing. Mm-hmm. And there's in that custom realm, there's still a boundary. Where I'm like, there's things I won't do. True. You know, we're not building from the ground up. No, you cannot send me your your tool belt from another manufacturer to have me copy it yeah i don't i don't do that you know there's limitations to what we offer otherwise i'll be like we just don't do custom it's too much of a pain in the ass it's not profitable yeah you know but it's something that's important to me to offer because i do see the benefit to the the person that do it it's
1: fascinating to see the the progression um and it sounds like you kind of both experienced it and maybe in a little bit of a different way but i think you're you guys are both like we do things a certain way and you're sometimes you can be stuck in your, in your way, you know? And, um, and I know that's of Luke, you know, he's an older brother and I've watched him do all this stuff. And, and so much of the time, um, I find that because he's so logical and rational and this is where the hands go, this is where you should do it. You should have it this way. And so it was interesting to see in the early stages with the belts, um, you know, like there would be some talk and he'd be like, um, sometimes I'm like, well, do you want actually my opinion? Because when I, or do you just want to like hear yourself, yeah. like talk it through and then be and then explain to people, well, this is why I did it because of this. But 99% of the time I would, in the end, I would agree and be like, well, that actually makes the most sense. But then it was just really interesting thing to see all these people online, um, having these different needs and then to see that kind of hard, hard shell of like, this is way to break open a bit. Okay. There is different things. There is different thought. There is different ways of doing it. And it's crazy how much it it correlates with just us as humans and and people, right? And Mm -hmm. how that that translates relationally. You know, when we start to understand that you have a different experience than I have and your upbringing was different than I have, and yet once we start to uh, acknowledge that, then there starts to be this communication, this relationship. And then, like you said, the personal part of this belt um, becomes so much richer, right? Mm -hmm. And you have this... You know, now, and I think that's been a really cool thing. I mean, to see that culture online with these guys, this together, the culture that I think you've created, even in the shop, you know, where, you know, to have these relationships and for people to know that these belts that you're getting are built by hands of people that appreciate the craft, the art, the beauty of the leather, the the style, the look, the hang, everything, right? It's it's just kind of cool to kind of see it in, in all these different genres, right? So it's, it's
0: pretty neat. It's definitely cool to go back there and watch everybody working there, and not a frown on their face. No, yeah. not yeah. not one. Yeah. Everybody just happy. I was like, see, like that's yeah. something too. Built built with love. Yeah, not a sweatshop. Everybody in there is having a good time doing what they're doing. Yeah, like your setup at your 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 little chambers there is just <laughs> yeah. just great museum. Brad's museum. I know it's awesome. Yeah. I was just like looking around. And I'm like, there's a lot going on, but. You're happy in there. That's right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like, you know, you can put your own little thing on it. But I think it's yeah, it's like you said, though, there's a certain amount, certain area where you, you don't go, you know, like there is a there is a certain customization where it's like, OK, there's it's within the bounds. Of of this because like other, otherwise you get people asking you to make them riding gloves with tassels and stuff like that. So.
0: Actually, yeah. yeah, legit. Yeah, hey, I've asked him for some weird stuff too. I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, not, not really off the wall stuff, but yeah. it's definitely stuff that's outside of the yeah. realm of a yeah. tool belt. Right, like leather too. undies and stuff like, like that. He's just not into. <laughs> the- <laughs> I need some chaps. Uh, no, like like I asked him straight up. I was like, buddy, I don't trust anybody else to do this, but I want to. I want a harness for my dog okay and he did he shot me down he's like no oh really yeah. yeah and he's just like that is he's like there's so many people out there that do that that's not what i do so i'm gonna have i wanted to, to say yes
2: there's so many times that people ask I'm like i could just say it. i could do it. like what does that mean the implications of that i'm like i'm gonna get myself pigeonholed now yeah. and like well you did it for that guy Why do not you like oh, Shoot, ah i need to say no yeah now once i'm gonna say no a whole bunch later and Feel like a hypocrite, you yeah.
1: know. But well, you know, we're on we're on a podcast right now. If there's any time, <laughs> he's going to do it. He would have to say no in front yeah, of, yeah.
2: you know. So this is your chance. Just just get him, get him. Yeah. Why I got you? <laughs> but. well, this has been fantastic. There's there a bunch of other things we kind of like preface we might get into and talk about. But there probably comes a point here where we should say we should kind of tie things up. Um, and we got a, a couple minutes. We'll we'll do that in. But I think it's the reality is I think I I feel like we're gonna have to have you out another time. And, and go through stuff again and down the road, I think would, would be great because there's a, a bunch of other life lessons as we've been able to visit over the last, the last 24 hours um, that you have so much more to offer that I would love to, to dig into. Um, and from just the, the stuff that I've heard, I mean, you have got some, some rough past, you've persevered, you've worked hard, you haven't been a victim um, and you've, figure out how to thrive and support and offer into people in the midst of what's been a hard journey. Um, And that is stuff I would love for us to get into another time and flesh out more. Um, But I thank you so much for, for coming all the way out here uh, and having so little sleep and this this quick (laughs) back and forth and the time we got to spend uh, it's been, it's been really, really rich and I'm honored to have been able to get to know you and that we can work has been It's been awesome. So Thank you very much. Thanks, Brad, for all your all right. insight and input. Um, to everybody watching and listening, this is uh, hopefully only the first of doing this. Another time or two or three, who knows? But it's been been great. So thanks, everybody, and uh, take care. We'll talk to you next time.